Welcome to the Utah Podcapalians, a podcast of the Diocese of Utah, where we look at, well, issues, we look at some things just going on in the church, and we look for ways that we can explain the uniqueness of the Episcopal Church in our unique land of Utah. And today, we're going to talk about something that's kind of at the basis of all that. We're going to talk about that one word, faith. And to talk about it, we have the Right Reverend Scott B. Hayashi, who's the Bishop of the Diocese of Utah. I'm Craig Wirth of the Diocese, and Bishop, welcome. And let's get right to a definition of the word faith. It seems like that's something we should already know, but it's probably something we don't think about as much in a definition. What's your definition of faith? That's a great way to start out. Actually, it's, it's a very complicated question, as you point out. Um, and for someone like me, who has spent a great deal of time thinking about faith, uh, it's hard, I think, for me to come up with what I would call um, a succinct answer. I mean, there, there's the standard sort of answer um, from the book of Hebrews. Now, faith is the hope in things unseen, for instance. So that, that is often what people use as sort of a catch-all fallback position for when we talk about what, what, does, what does faith actually mean? Um, because there's faith and there's belief. So <clears throat> the question can really get us into the weeds very, very quickly when we start talking about it. Um, but what I would say right off the top is that faith, faith and hope go together. Um, and, and that all people uh, have faith. Every single person has faith. Now, it may not be uh, what you or I would think of about faith when we talk about it from a spiritual or religious perspective, but everybody has faith, uh, which, which in itself is hope, which is, lies in the future, or we trust that something will, will be so. When we talk about faith, I think it's important to recognize that it also exists as something which is unproven. Unproven. Is unproven. And it cannot be proved. So, for instance, we might say that we have faith uh, in God. However, I would challenge anybody to give a scientific proof of there being God. Anybody. Um, and the answer to that is, well, you really can't. It's an, it's an element of faith. Now, what does that mean for someone like me? Well, I live my life with the hope or with the belief that it's all true. And so does that mean, therefore, I don't, um, I don't pray, I don't read the Bible, I don't go to church? And these things? No, I live my life as if it's completely true, but I know all the time that I can't prove it. So and that, that's, that's very important. I don't want to interrupt that thought, but it does occur to me then that so many people are in church trying to look for proof of, let's say, the miracles of Jesus. Right. They're looking to see, did he really turn water into wine? Did he really heal the blind man? I know from talking to you in the past that often you don't look for the miracles, the proof, you say that the faith of, let's say, uh, Paul in his letters, 
uh, a person who didn't witness those miracles but still had the faith that they that Christ was Christ. Right, right. So, for for to take a a, a slight step sideways, you know, from what you just said. So, for instance, when those stories are written down, um, initially, you know, and they're recorded in the Gospels, um, I would say that the people understood that those stories were were symbolic. They were metaphors. Um, that they 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 understood them that way. Um, and that they didn't necessarily understand them literally. Um, and I think I think that what has happened over the years as we have moved into beyond those those early days, I think the difference is is that you and I um, and people who are grown up in the West um, have been influenced very much by what I would call the irrational mindset um, or the Western philosophical tradition. Um, and so what we have is, is the importance of fact, fact. So what, what may have been understood by the earlier people as being, these are stories and they are symbolic and they speak about a deeper truth. And they, I think they really didn't understand that. Um, but people nowadays, because of how we've grown up with this um, Enlightenment tradition, um, place a heavy importance on fact. So we turn these things into literal occurrence, literal truths, literal facts, um, which I think is frankly a step backwards. Uh, we, we've lost, I think, the poetry of it all. So now we say, well, if it didn't happen, it's not, if it really didn't happen, therefore it's not true, and therefore it's, it has no value for us. And I think that's a fundamental mistake. Um, to say that the only thing that have any value for us are factual things. I think so many people, maybe me included, at times we say, what can we do to strengthen our faith? We know perhaps that we can't prove this. We know in our minds sometimes we question even. And I know in the Episcopal Church it's all right to question. And in fact, every time uh, I've heard a hundred sermons from people saying it's all right to question, but it's also all right to strengthen your faith. What advice do you have for people that say, I, sometimes I want to believe, or sometimes I wish I didn't have such a question? What do you tell those folks when they come to you and they say, Bishop, what can I do to increase my faith? Well, what I would tell such a person would be, tell me about your faith already. I mean, that, that is where I would begin, because um, I don't mean to dodge your question, but each person is different. So therefore, what one person might come in and want to talk to me about, about having a difficult um, time believing, I'd want to say, well, what is it you're having a difficult time believing? Because um, person A might have one thing and person B, I can guarantee you, would have another thing. So it really is that individual. What, what are we really talking about here? Before I would then try to offer any counsel. Um, but I would assure per that person that having doubts is quite normal. And that 
that even someone like me, who is a bishop of the Episcopal Church, has moments of doubt. Um, so we can just relax a little bit about that and say that's just part of the condition because that's what faith is. Now, when you say strengthen faith, again, you're speaking with a person who perhaps overanalyzes everything. Um, sometimes I think too much. You know, there's that Paul Simon song, you think too much, mm -hmm. you know. So the, the point that I would say on it, when you say strengthen my faith again, well, what does that actually mean? Okay, because that gets us into what I would call one of the fundamental problems we have um, and challenges we have living in the year 2020. Now, for some people, faith means believing in dogma or believing in, let us say, the church. So faith then is not in God, it's faith in the church, you see. And, and I would argue that if that's what it means to be a good religious person, which is to say you believe everything your church teaches you, I would say that's not really where I would ever go. Um, so that, because that would mean faithful adherence to things. And the more strict and hierarchical the church is, the harder that may be for a person. Um, because that, to me, is not strengthening faith, you see? Yes. Okay, so now then, then the question becomes for people who live in our time, when we talk about faith, then we need to start asking a very fundamental question, which is, well, is there even any room in, in that person's consciousness our understanding for a faith in a divine. I think one of the things that I would want to be looking at with any person would be, do you even start from a, a, a simple base of believing there is such a thing as a transcendent? You see? Mm -hmm. Because I would wager, I would wager that very many people living today have absolutely no concept of there being a transcendent at all. Um, in which case, talking them to about God is nonsense because it's, it's a non-starter because if they don't have even any, any inkling or any um, belief that anything beyond what science can prove has any value, then you're just starting from or trying to convince them about God. You're just, it's, it's fruitless. It's just fundamentally fruitless. So what has to be done, I think, when we talk about strengthening faith is, is really talking from the get-go of what that actually is and not confuse it with the precepts of, let us say, what it means to be a good member of this church or that church and that. So what I've said at times is, is I, I believe in God much more than I believe in the church. It's a very simple, you know, statement. And why do I say that? Because churches can go wrong. I mean, you look at the history of Christianity, you look at the Crusades, uh, you look at the Inquisition, you look at the stance of the church during in the United States during slave, the period of slavery. You, you look at how um, Christians are supporting uh, what's going on at the border. And you've, gotta, you've got to say that really, 
the history of the church would indicate were capable of making tremendous mistakes, what I consider mistakes, which have hurt, if not killed, thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people. I mean, look, look at the history of the church, which is fairly recent to us, in regard to treatment of women. Well, uh, and there are still some churches that do not believe uh, a woman could, can be ordained. Well, I believe, frankly, that's fundamentally an error. Okay, and I think I think it hurts women. Uh, look how the look how churches over the centuries behaved regarding uh, people who were born gay or lesbian. And you have to say, gosh, you know, we drove people to suicide. Uh, all of these sorts of things, and it was done. Um, and do you and I, frankly, if you ask me, do I believe God liked this? I would say no. Um, but I disbelieve. Okay, so again, again, what I would say, simply the historical record would indicate that the church has made mistakes, huge ones, tragic ones. Uh, so when I say I believe in God much more than I believe in the church, then what do I think as a bishop of the Episcopal Church that's important for us to understand? And what I would, how I would answer that question would be, that we understand that we have a responsibility uh, to adhere to, to be faithful to what the work of God is in this world as we understand it. And that's contained for the Episcopal Church, really in the baptismal covenant, that we believe in God, we believe in the forgiveness of sins, uh, we believe that people make mistakes, and when we make mistakes, we pick ourselves up and we try again. Uh, we believe that God has made us in God's image and therefore each person has dignity and that we should respect that dignity uh, and that we should seek and serve Christ in all persons, loving our neighbor as ourselves. which would indicate that if a person is not a Christian or even has any concept of God, we still say Christ is already in that person and right there. So we would seek to serve that person and that if we if we make the mistake, which we can, and not adhere to that, which we believe to be the work of God in this world for us, then we were called the church into account. So it's not going to be, you know, um, you know, my church right or wrong. If the church errs, we will try to correct it. Wow, we're having a really um, fascinating discussion. You're listening to the Utah Episcopalians, and our guest is the Right Reverend Scott B. Hayashi, who's Bishop of Utah. And the word that we started with is faith. We've gone into belief. We've gone into just some of the questions. And um, that leads me to one of today, and that is, uh, is it hard to keep faith today? People claim that they've lost their faith the divisiveness of the country, perhaps uh, over matters in their personal lives, or watching some of the things like you mentioned, the border, watching some things that are, are pretty horrific um, that are done often in the name of faith or by people who, who possess a faith. Um, is it hard sometimes to keep that faith or is it something that you think collectively we maybe are losing some? I think it, 
I think with the things that have happened, and actually, again, if you study history, um, the, the great miracle in my mind is that people continue to, um, to move forward in faith and belief in um, the goodness of the church, frankly. Mm -hmm. I mean, the miracle has all been the, the fact that people have continued forward. So is it, is it hard to keep faith in today? Again, it comes back to, well, what do you mean by, what are we keeping faith in? Mm -hmm. So if we're saying that, that we, we trust that people who profess to be Christian will always do the right and moral thing, the answer is, well, I have no, I have no belief that's the case at all, given history. Um, I believe that what's important during a very difficult time is to keep moving forward as if God really has made all of us in his own image, as if every person has value, as if, because those things, again, are, are statements of belief and faith, and we live our lives as if it's all true. Because if there's any hope, frankly, of making a difference in this world, it's going to be because we adhere to these things, which which I think has the power and the capacity to convince other people that there is a better way to live this life. This might be kind of a strange observation. And as you know from discussions with me, my th um, theological basis sometimes of discussion is like, wow, where'd you come up with that? But I'm just going back now 2,000 years and what you talk about today, people making decisions. I look at uh, Jesus talking to the disciples and it was constantly, come on guys, you know, you gotta have some faith or you're losing your faith. And here is Jesus who they're watching give these incredible sermons, give this incredible parables, and often it is them who their faith alone is lost or you take even Thomas who after watching all this, hearing all the stories, seeing it, and still doubts. So uh, I guess we aren't any different than the disciples at times. No, <clears throat> what the disciples did is they were willing um, to put their trust and, and to follow that, and they would say they were following after Jesus, um, and, and they would believe it and trust it completely, even though it led them to death. So, and, and so there again, I think that comes down to that same point. You, we believe it as if it were all true, knowing, uh, knowing completely we cannot prove it to be so. And the question is, is it worth the risk or are we willing to take such a risk? And people throughout history have said yes to that. It was worth because living the other way, they considered to be bankrupt, terrible. And I would maintain the very same thing today. Um, you know, for me, is it better for me um, to have the hope in God, hope in Jesus, and to live my life in such a manner and try to pattern it following his teaching? Um, or is it better to say, you know, it's every, it's every man or woman for himself or herself, and so I will get as much as I can get and not care a whit about anybody else. And I would say I'd rather live the other way, but not that way. Because I think living, living in that way only leads to chaos and destruction.
and hate. Can and we so have too choose. much faith? Too much faith? Too much faith in what? Too much faith in, I mean, I guess at some point you ever see faith becoming blind allegiance? Well, I think there is such a thing as being foolish. Could I have so much faith in the belief that everyone's made in the image of God that therefore it would cause me to do something um, unwise? Um, and the answer is, well, I suppose because I would want to always trust that a person is capable of doing, uh, of being better when time and time again they have shown no capacity for that. So in those moments then um, it would be, well, let me give an example. Sure. Let, let, let's say someone continues to borrow money from you um, and says he will always pay it back and never does. Mm -hmm. And over the years you've lent this guy $20,000 and he has never paid back a penny. Well, I would say to you, well, two things. One I'd say is, you know, evidence to evidence to the contrary, he's never paid back. And um, so you can still continue to give him money and hope that it'll pay it back. And if you do, well, that's a marvelous thing. But I think at a certain point in time, you might say, you've now sold your house in order to give that guy money, you've done all these things. So maybe, just maybe, you might want to say to the person next time, you know, I don't think I can do that for you. Let's go to now the Episcopal Church. An Episcopal Church is often either applauded for or criticized for having a great variety of beliefs. There's well, so well no, no, I don't think we have that actually. I think, I think that statement is actually incorrect. We do not have a great variety. We have a great number of opinions. Okay. Okay, but that's not the same thing. The Episcopal Church has the historic creeds. Yes. That's one. Okay, so we have that. Um, when, when you, so in the Episcopal Church, it's not anything goes. You can well, that's correct, you want. yeah. So we, we, we have the creeds. You know, we, we have the, the sacraments, the two mm -hmm. great sacraments. We, we have these things. So what we have is a wide range of opinions, okay, on these matters. What we say by that is we, you don't have to believe every single thing to be a member of the Episcopal Church. The point would be that we're not going to toss you out the door just because you would come up and say, you know, I really don't believe that. We would never say to the person, well, therefore you can't be part of this church, so go someplace else. What statement has the church made on faith? Is there, what would you say, the creeds? Would that be what you would consider we, the statement? We, the baptismal we, uh, the, vows? The baptismal covenant would be the fundamental structure for us, mm -hmm. about, which, which is the Apostles' Creed and then the statements of what that means when you say you believe. So we say we believe these things with the Apostles' Creed, and then because we believe those things, we do these things. We respect the dignity of every human being. We strive for justice and peace among all people. And, and the church, though, um, doesn't say this is what you must believe in, in, you know, in the interpretation other we than don't, the creeds. We, we don't have that statement of must believe. Yeah. We don't have that. Because um, if we had such a statement you must believe, that means if a person said, I don't, we, we kick them out of the church. Mm -hmm. we, we don't have that. No, we do not excommunicate on the basis of um, no. of did you interpret yeah. the now the, some churches yeah. some churches do I think behave in that way. You see, 
and therefore faith faith in that particular body means adherence to certain principles and understandings, which I would argue is not the same as faith in God. It's a great way to end this. Um, our guest, of course, has been the Right Reverend Scott B. Hayashi, who's the Bishop of the Episcopal Diocese of Utah, talking about faith and faith in its many uh, interpretations. Very fascinating discussion. Any final comments on the word faith? Yes, I think that what is important to understand is that it's also work in progress. So yes, I believe in Jesus. I believe that Jesus is the divine Son of God. Um, and so I live my life in that belief and hope that daily Jesus would continue to be reborn inside of me in order that I might be um, someone who helps uh, bring light into the world um, in whatever small or large ways that that might be possible for someone like me to do. Um, and I believe that that is a better way to live um, than as if, as if there is no concern or care for other people. Thank you, Bishop. I'm Craig Worth of the Diocese. And again, you've been listening to the Utah Episcopalians.